Good evening. Well, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Well, I have particular people in mind tonight when I think of this passage and the message that I hope to give Lord willing that I I hope will be encouraged. Um, The first group of people that I have in mind are people that have been praying for loved one for years, lost loved ones. For years you've been praying for them. And not only do they not seem to be coming to faith in Christ, but they seem to be getting worse. And at that point, you start to feel like the situation's hopeless and you begin to despair. You know better in your mind and you know better because of what the Bible teaches, but you feel, you start to feel despair in that situation when you've prayed for years and you just don't see any change at all and it looks like it's hopeless. The other group that I have in mind tonight... Um, are non-Christians. And let me tell you from my own experience what I'm thinking tonight in regard to you. Before I became a Christian, and I've shared this before, but I can remember having such a feeling of sin and such a feeling that I needed to be right with God. I needed to be right with God. I knew that. Man, especially when I'd lay my head down on the pillow at night and all the noise was finally gone and there God was again and that reality staring me in the face, I had such a sense, I need, I need to be following Christ. I need to give up my whole life and follow Jesus. But I felt trapped. Trapped. I felt like there's this sense that I, I feel helpless to become a Christian. It's a guilty helplessness. It's guilty It's a willful blindness. It's like a man who you tell him, go over there and look at that. And if, let me put it in the context of the Old Covenant there in the Old Testament. When the serpent was lifted up, it's like someone being bitten by a snake. And they say, yeah, but if you just go look at that bronze serpent over there, you'll be healed. And the guy gouges his eyes out because he would rather be blind than have to look at that serpent. But then somewhere along the way, you start to realize. My life is tied up with looking at that serpent and look what I've done to myself. I'm guilty, but I'm helpless. And I need help in this situation. And so I have you in mind, if that's you tonight, I have you in mind and I I think, I know based off this passage that there is help for you. 
There is great help for you tonight. And so what I want us to do tonight is just look at what the Lord Jesus can do with situations like I've described. Both groups, what the Lord Jesus can do for them. Let me give you an overview of kind of where I'm going. All life exists in Christ, and it is only by that life that men have light to view reality. It is only by the life of Christ that men have light to see things clearly and to see reality. That's the only way. And this brings up man's ultimate problem. He has forfeited this life. That's man's problem at its most basic ground level. If you want to know about why you feel helpless, if you're a non-Christian, if you've had those tuggings before and you wonder, why would this, you know, what makes this so hard? What, what is so difficult about this? You forfeited the life of God. And because you don't have life, you don't have light. That's man's ultimate problem. And so we want to look at how Christ is the overcomer of death and darkness. Christ is the overcomer of death and darkness. Now let me acknowledge two things here at the outset. Number one, I studied this passage about a year to a year and a half ago, and I read a lot of people and listened to a lot of sermons. And so I just want to acknowledge my debt to a lot of people that I've forgotten. Um, I know I read a lot of D.A. Carson. I know I listened to John Piper. I read a lot of Matthew Henry and Leon Morris. And their thoughts are here. Just know that. So I just I want to say that at the outset. I owe a tremendous debt to these guys. And it, it was such, and it was so encouraging just sitting and li- listening to these men and reading these men unpack some of these thoughts. Um, I got the basic flow first. I worked it out for myself. But they really helped crystallize some things and added some things to, to what I was seeing in the passage um, the second thing is, is we're not going to go into the details of this passage tonight. There's two ways, really, that you can study the Bible. Well, there's a bunch of ways, but among the, the many ways, you can go in and get really granular. So you really hone in and you take a microscope and you look at a word or a phrase or something like that and you just drill it for all it's worth. If you know anything about John 1, you know that's exactly what people have done with John 1a. In the beginning was the Word. If you know anything about that word, Word, you know there's been tons of books and articles and there's been whole sermon series on the word, Word. I mean, it it is huge. It is just colossal. We're not going to do that tonight. There's a message in the details and there's also a message in the overview. And that's what I want us to do tonight. I just want us to look at what John is doing in this passage. He's got a purpose. And he's stacking the deck on all of these attributes of Christ over against man's darkness. And he's going to show you what Christ can do with just a concentration of darkness. I trust you'll be encouraged. So that's what we're going to do. We're not going to look at everything. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to skip over a few verses. But um, I trust you will be able to feel the general flow of what John, I believe, is doing in 1, 1 through 13. So let's look at this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So what John is saying here is that 
Everywhere you see life, it is wholly due to Jesus Christ. The writer of the Hebrews makes allusion to that. He upholds all things by the power of His Word. That's the power of Christ. Even people who curse Christ, who reject Christ, who don't want to have any thoughts of Christ at all, when they make those rejections and they say bad things about the Lord, they're doing that by the life that God has given them. We owe our existence. And I don't mean that as a metaphor. I mean that as quite literally, we owe our existence tonight to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you feel it. It doesn't matter if if you acknowledge it. It doesn't matter. It's just a stated fact of reality. Everything depends on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Everything came into being through Christ. If that's the case, it follows He never came into being. He is self-sustained, uncreated life. That's amazing. John talks about this more. It says in Christ says this in John chapter 5 verse 26 he says just as the Father has life in himself even so he gave the son to have life in himself. It says in Revelation 22:1 it says then he showed me a river of the water of life Clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's this big river of life, and its source is the throne of God and of the Lamb. Life is in Christ, but He not only has life, He is life. And that's what He means in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he says there when Lazarus is dead and he's just about to raise him from the dead and Martha's talking to him, what does he say to her? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. There he is surrounded by death, unbelief, decay, everything else. And he says, I am life. I am life incarnate. When you think of life, think of me. I don't get life from other places. I am uncreated life. I am the source Anybody that's going to get life on the earth, face of the earth is going to have to get it from me. I am the resurrection and the life. And that's what John does there in John 1.4. He sums it up. He says, in him was life. And so, just one more kind of um, parallel statement that John, and you can just listen to this. This is in 1 John 5.11. It's a parallel statement to that in him was life. It says... And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. That's a summary statement of what John's saying here. This life, God has given eternal life, and the life is in His Son. In Him was, is life. So with that in mind, we read the second half of this phrase in verse 4. And the life was the light of men. Now, what does that mean? The life, the life was the light of men. Well, to understand that, we have to have first ask ourselves the question, what is light? What does it mean for someone to have light? Well, it's not very difficult. It simply means the fact that you see reality. That you have a clear perception of things 
as they are, especially as things pertain to the things of God and the person of Christ. John eleven nine says this, And there are not twelve hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. It's not a person walking around and stumbling around and, and their life just looks like a wreck. That's not it at all with a person because they're walking in the light. They see reality. There's a stability about them. They're not walking around. They're not totally fragile. They're in the light and they can see things and so they're not stumbling around. John 12.35 says, For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. He has no perception of reality. He's not seeing things clearly. And so what it means to have light is that you have a clear view of reality. And so what John is doing is he is making the point that the only way that you're going to have that clear view of reality, especially as it pertains to the person of Christ, is if you have life. The life was the light of men. And Christ says that. He says that in John 8, 12. He says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have The light of life. There it is. If you follow me, you will have the light of life. And so it is in this context that we can understand what's going on with man and what happens when Christ comes to earth. When Christ came to earth, here comes life into a concentration of darkness. And as John summarizes it over in 1 John, he says, And the life was manifested. So life is manifested, Christ comes to earth, and light goes forth. But something terrible happened. Read verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. That's Christ coming to earth. The life is manifested. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. Skip down to verse 10 and 11, which are summary statements of what he's just said. He says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Verse 10, The creature came, the Creator came to his creatures, and they didn't recognize him. Psalm 19 says the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Romans 1 says that God's attributes are clearly seen through the things that are created. There's all kinds of pointers in the direction. They should have recognized Christ when He came, but they totally missed Him. Christ comes on the earth, life is manifested, light goes forth, and the great majority of the people yawn. They yawn. But there's something even more sinister here. Because in verse 11, the phrase, his own, you probably have a little one beside that. Literally over there, if you look in the column, it means his own things. It's almost certainly a reference to the Jewish people. He came to his own things, and those who were his own did not receive him. So not only did the Creator come to the creature, but the Redeemer came to the redeemed. 
Christ, who, uh, this God who had saved the people from Egypt and given them so many sacrifices and rituals and things like that, all to point towards the person of Christ, that whole old covenant was moving in one direction, and that is the person of Christ, to, to create a context to understand Him when He came to the earth. And again, life came to the earth, light went forth, and nobody saw anything different. At worst, at best, they saw someone who was just a total nuisance to them. And that's why later on in John, um, when Christ, actually after He had raised Lazarus, they all get together. It says many people were starting to believe in Christ because of the testimony of Lazarus. And they, say, they come together and say, if we let Him go on like this, the Romans are going to come and take away our nation. Can you see how wicked that is? You see how blind you would have? He just raised some from the de- someone from the dead, and they say, if we let him go on like this, we may lose our city. Blindness. Total blindness. And that's the state of man. And that's the, that is the state of most preaching. And that's the state of most sharing. And what happens when Christ is proclaimed? People, you know, they, they, they get up here and they'll share their testimony of what God's done for them. And they'll share it with joy. Glory's written all over them. And there are some people who sit here and it's just, they're just telling a story. This is just a person that, they, they, what happened to this person? They stopped becoming a non-Christian and they started becoming a Christian. So they were over here with this group, you know, and this line over here that was going to hell. And now they got over here in this line that's going to heaven. And that's about all that's happened. They don't see the glory of God in a transformed soul. Here's this person up here that's just as new as this day is new. And most people don't see a thing. They read the Bible, they open up the Bible. You know, somebody's told them, start in the Gospel of John. So they start reading in the Gospel of John, and nothing. Just a book. Just like any other book I've read. Just just a book. Yeah, it's got some very interesting things to say. I know a lot of people make a big to-do out of this. But by and large, all I'm reading is words on a page. And yet, when you become a Christian... (laughs) I mean, the chapter titles, you just, you're floored, you know? It's like you read the gospel according to John and you break down weeping. Oh, you just see Christ, you can see Christ in the concordance. I mean, it's everywhere. Everything is brand new, but by and large, in preaching and sharing and the reading of the Bible, for the, for the majority of people, it's just a book. What's the big deal? Why, why is everyone so excited? And why are they so tearful when they share their testimony? Get it together. What's going on here? Just don't see anything. Everything's down here on this level. It's just another event that's happening in the sequence of events that we call life. No glory whatsoever. John Piper said this. He said, Most of the people you see at the mall or at work Look alive. If you tell them they are dead, they will think you've lost your mind. But if you substitute spiritual blindness and darkness for deadness, then you start to see what John means. People aren't dead because they can't walk or talk or think or feel or even see with their physical eyes. They are dead because, quote, seeing they do not see. That's it. In a nutshell. What does it mean that somebody's dead? You know, I, that, that doesn't register. I'm not dead because I'm moving around. It's not what the Bible means. The Bible means you can't see reality. 
means when you look at the person of Christ, all you see is someone who said some interesting things, possibly did some, you know, neat things, but that's about as far as it goes. Just this guy who carries lamb around, lambs around his shoulder and, and walks around saying interesting things. Seeing they do not see. But something happened. Read verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. So what's going on here? The light shines into the darkness. The darkness does not comprehend it. He comes down to His creatures. They don't recognize Him. He comes down to even those that He had redeemed out of Egypt. They don't recognize Him. But there's this group that recognizes Him. There are some people who begin to receive Christ and to believe on His name. In John 6, there's the story of Christ multiplying the, the bread and the fish. And these people, this big massive group has come over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee because they were very interested in these things that Christ was doing. They thought this would be a good deal to have someone that stayed in their camp that was on their team that could work miracles like this. And so what happens is when they find Christ on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, He actually begins to unpack the significance of that miracle. And then He begins to talk about what real conversion is and what it means to be a true child of God and what it means to follow Him. And He goes on and he, you can just feel, if you, you just have to read it and think of what it would be like to have been there. You can feel the tension as He is pushing and pushing and pushing. And He's talking about things like, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink My blood, you have no life in, yourself, in yourselves. Can you imagine what a radical statement that that would be on the shores of Galilee? I mean, just amazing. And He is pushing and pushing and pushing. And it says, finally, as a result of this... They just had enough. As a result of this, many of His disciples stopped following Him. They were done. All they saw in Him was a miracle-working person who possibly said some interesting things sometimes, but when He starts pushing commitment on this level, they're through with Him. They're through with Him because that's, that's all they saw. When the miracles stop and when the interesting things stop, they're done. There's no deeper commitment than that because that's all they see when they look at Him. But there's this other little core group of tax collectors and fishermen who's standing behind him. And as these, this massive exodus is happened with these people with their back towards Christ walking in the other direction, he turns to them and says, would you like to go also? Now, if we just kept verses 1 through 5 and maybe 10 and 11, we'd say, absolutely, they left too. But there were some that received Him. And what was their reply? Lord, to whom shall we go? Jesus says, you want to leave? And what do they say? We can't. <laughs> we can't. We can't. What does Peter say? He says, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Son of God. They saw. They saw. So many people are looking at this guy carrying around lambs, saying interesting sayings and multiplying bread. And these people over here say, no, wait a second, that's the Son of God. I'm not leaving Him. I don't care what happens. I'm not leaving Him. Have you seen Him? Have you seen the things that He does? This is God's own Son. We can't leave Him. This is the reason we exist. Just look at Him. But as many 
as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. So what, what is going on here? How does darkness that is so thick that when Christ is manifested on earth, light goes forth, it just hits a brick wall. What happens? That, how does it happen that some who are in darkness begin to see the person of Christ for who He really is? Let's read verse 12, which we have, and then 13. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born life, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Previously, life was manifested on earth, light went forth, nothing happened. But now, life is being manifested in the hearts of men. And when life is given in a heart, when life is given, light floods a person. Floods a person. All of the sudden, they see, they go from reading the Bible, you know, and it's just, there's just really nothing going on. All of the sudden, that life is no longer on the outside. It's given to them. They're born of God, and light just floods them. And they see Christ on every page. They see everything points towards Christ. They start reading the Old Testament, and they see those kings are pointing towards Christ. They find Him all over the place. They have a newfound joy. Everything is new. It says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Charles, you know, shares in his testimony, after he was converted, he's walking down the road, and even the beer cans are new in the ditches. I mean, that's, that's life. That's what happens when life is manifested inside of a person. And that's what happened to me. I was in that state of feeling like I'm... I'm helpless. I'm guilty. And you know, I even had the thought because I would pray things like, Lord, I, I need to be a Christian. Please do not take my life before I can become a Christian. You have to be careful with that because what you can be saying is, Lord, I would like to live a little longer in rebellion, but I just don't want to go to hell yet. Today is the day to believe. Don't trifle with Christ. He is the giver of life. But God had mercy on me. And I can remember, I can remember just feeling so helpless. And then He saved me and everything was new. Everything was new. I remember calling people. I had just been in a mess. I was there actually in Myrtle Beach. And I had just gotten myself in so much of a mess. I had to get out of town. And there I'm in Myrtle Beach. I called all the people that I was in that mess with back in Birmingham and says, I don't care what happens when I come back. God saved me. And And it was funny because this actually got me out of a lot of trouble. I see it now. I didn't see it then. I was walking down the hall not too long after that in my school. And I had this massive guy. A uh, big football player and also a wrestler and everything else where, you know, physically where you exert yourself. He's just huge. And he comes up to me and he grabs me and slams me into the locker and says, I forgot what he said. It was something about, it was threatening, I can assure you. It was not, he was not checking how my day was, day was going. He slams me into the locker and said, he said I, something like, you know, I heard what you said about my friend. I'm going to kill you. And I said, oh, that's fine. doesn't matter. I became a Christian. And he, he looked at me like, 
do what? And he let go and walked down the hall shaking his head. Like, what on earth is this guy talking about? It's, it's life. What happens is you start to see, and man, that joy of who Christ is, it floods you. It takes over. And that's the problem when we start getting, you know, um, when our knees start getting weak as Christian, we've just, something's stopping up the life. And so you don't, you're not seeing like you should, because as soon as you start to see like you should, man, light just comes flooding in your life, and you see the person of Christ, and you go forward. But newness, that's what happens. And that's what God can do. So let me make just two um, points by way of application. Number one, this is for Christians, never give up sharing and praying for your lost loved one. God can save anybody. Christ does not ask permission to give life. He just gives it. Nobody stands in His way. Nobody can say, you know, wait a second, this is too much darkness. No, Acts 3 actually calls Him the Prince of Life. The Prince of Life. You can't stand in the way of the Prince of Life. And that's what the argument that Peter's making there in Acts chapter 3. He's saying death couldn't hold Him. He's the Prince of Life. Nothing can stand in His way. God can save anybody. It doesn't matter how long they've been gone. It doesn't matter how bad they've gotten. Christ gives life into death. And when He gives life into death, light comes, they see the person of Christ, and as soon as you get that glimpse of the person of Christ, they'll be following Him all of the days of their life. So never give up praying. And number two, for the non-Christian, believe on the One who gives life. If you have that sense about you, you have that sense, I know I should be a Christian, but I feel, I feel helpless. And I don't, you know, I'm confused about so many things. But if you just have enough sense to know, I should be a Christian, I should be a Christian, believe on the one who gives life. He is everything that he says he is. One of the first steps in becoming as a Christian is you realize the reason why you don't see him as glorious is a problem with you, not a problem with him. You'll get so much help if you just get to that one spot. If you realize the problem is not with the person of Christ, Christianity, and the Bible. The problem is me. I don't see things clearly. If you get to that spot, you're, you're, you're moving in the right direction. That's a step of faith. Because what you're saying is, God, I'm going I'm to believe you on this point. I'm going to believe you. Believe on the one who gives life. Approach Christ like the two blind men in Matthew chapter 9. There's these two blind men, and they hear of this man who gives life. And he gives sight. In their particular case, he gives sight. And they hear this, probably a party, a big group of people coming down the road, and they hear some noise and things like that. And somehow they discern, even in their blindness, Jesus is about to pass by. So you know what these men do? They start whispering, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. You know, just a whisper. You know, you don't want to really do anything out of the ordinary. That's not what they did. They start shouting, and you can picture this, these blind men standing on the side of the road, they can't see, so they're just shouting into the darkness, have mercy on me, I'm blind. I can't see, I can't help myself. I'm blind. And you know what happens? They hear the crowd go by. Read the story. He didn't stop. 
And so what did they do? Did they say, well, we gave it our, our best effort. We tried. Let me tell you something. No one who tries Christ ever gets anything. You can't try Jesus. It's all or nothing. Either you're going to put yourself on His altar, all for Christ. I'm going to put myself on your doorstep. If you save me, I'm going to die right here on your... If you don't save me, I'm going to die on, your, on this doorstep right here. I'm not moving because I'm blind and I'm, I'm going to die and I'm going to go to hell and I need you to help me so I am going to believe on you. They didn't try Jesus. They went right behind that crowd and then Jesus goes into the house. And you know what they did? They went into the house. Now that's getting awkward. That's getting embarrassing. Because here are these men. Not only have they been crying out on the side of the road, have mercy on us, we need sight. He passes by. They go right in the house after Him. I mean, can you imagine what this crowd is starting to think of how awkward these people are? But listen to what happens. He called them to himself and it says, he touched their eyes. Isn't that amazing? He touched their eyes. Saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. The very first sight these men had was the Son of God. And it will be the same way for you. It will be the same way to you. If you come to Christ and you tell Him, Lord, I'm blind. The problem is with me. It is not with you. You are the objected standard of what is precious and beautiful and everything that is holy and good. And the problem is I don't see you clearly. So I don't have the right desires, but I need you to help me. And I'm going to believe you to give me life. I'm going to trust you to give me life. I'm going to put myself on your doorstep and I'm going to follow you and trust that somewhere along the way you're going to give reality to this thing. I'm placing all of my faith in you. You know what's going to happen? The very first thing you're going to see is the glory of God in the face of Christ. Come to Christ. It's not too late. Praise the Lord. We've got another night. Don't know how many more we'll have, but it's not too late. It doesn't matter how long you've been in darkness. It doesn't matter how rebellious you've been. It doesn't, God can save. He'll save anybody. God will save anybody. It doesn't matter if you've tried before. That's going to be the thing that will hold you back. You're going to think, I don't want to try this again because I've tried before and it didn't work. Again, do not take your... That you don't take your side in sin against God. You've got to realize God is true to His Word. He saves anyone that comes to Him. So come to Him in faith. Believe on Him. Do not go on in unbelief anymore. He will give you life. Let's pray. Father, we come to You tonight and we marvel at Your Son, at what He can do in situations like the ones that we've looked at tonight. Lord, we pray You'd give life tonight. We pray for faith. We pray that people would trust You in their darkness. They wouldn't wait for some experience. They, wouldn't, they would just trust You as the giver of life. In Christ's name, Amen.
before we can be dismissed.